Hey, and welcome to the Future Proof Podcast. Uh, this is the podcast we do every month where we talk about what we've been doing, stuff we're planning to do. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. And I am Melissa Avery Weir. One of our big projects is working on the Rosette Diceless Supplemental Book. So it's a combination of existing supplemental material that's on the website, plus a bunch of new articles we're writing. Uh, and it's going to be published in book form uh, as both ebook and um, paperback. And so Greg has been working on uh, an interesting article, sort of revamping our XP system. Yeah, just kind of giving additional options for, for experience points, because something that we noticed playing in our home game, we've been playing for years now, and we've got characters that have built up a whole lot of experience points, because you get a certain amount every game, and there's a certain point in in the game where your character's kind of built out as much as they need to be, especially because this isn't a, doesn't tend to be a game where you get like astronomically powerful, you just get more versatile, and so there's a certain point where it's like, I got enough stuff. And so this little piece is like here's a few other options for things you could spend xp on or different ways you could do xp and so like one of the things that i wrote up is you could spend it on sort of shared properties stuff that different characters have as a group so maybe you're a group that's like a team that's got a base that you've got stuff in your base that you can share and work on or maybe you're you know members of a trade union and so there's there's resources of like education or allies or something like that that you have that you can share among characters and that way you're kind of building out relationships in a more kind of concrete and, and crunchy way than just the ties that are already in place yeah i think the shared stuff is really interesting i haven't gotten to play um, a lot of systems that have this sort of thing but i know that like the world of darkness type systems can have the idea of having crews or bases or like various sorts of shared things um and i really like that idea even if i haven't you know myself played in a campaign that did that it seems cool to kind of have this like you know elite group that you're part of that's like doing cool stuff yeah and it's it's also kind of influenced by one of one of my favorite like weird games that no one's ever heard of called conspiracy x that's where you're sort of playing x files characters basically uh, um but yes. in that that game assumes that you've kind of got shared a sh kind of shared headquarters with with resources that you're managing yeah and then the the other approach for things to do with xp that that aren't in the base book is to let you get resources with xp resources are can be things like items you have like especially good tools or weapons or they could be like reputation or uh, or information on someone and normally you kind of get those every session but we're this this piece has some some paragraphs that are like hey this could be a way to spend xp to get extra stuff or maybe you only get resources through xp and not through normal means um, so just this piece generally gives help for for folks to to twist the way that the XP thing works in one way or another. Yeah. Meanwhile, you've been working on kind of a more general uh, advice piece that, that's got, a, I guess, fewer big new rules and more like, oh, here's something we've learned about how Rosette works. Yeah. So we, you know, it's um, depending on the background of, of who's running or playing a game of Rosette Diceless, 
people have different ideas of what a conflict looks like. For a lot of us, if you come from a D&D background or any sort of, you know, crunchy, sort of combat heavy or combat centered role playing system, you tend to think of, you know, how how long is a turn, right? Like, is it six seconds? Every yeah, just real short actions. Right? Like, do I have time to swing a sword? Can I walk 10 feet? Like, if these are kind of the first questions that come to mind, um, then that tends to be how you design your conflicts. And so Reset Diceless is designed to accommodate both that sort of rapid fire scale of combat or quick negotiation or whatever that looks like, as well as sort of broader scale, like I'm doing an investigation. And that is the conflict is finding answers or finding who done it or whatever kind of the broader scale thing where a turn might take an hour or it might, you know, five minutes or something that's not at sort of fighting scale. And you use the, the same rules regardless of the size of the conflict, like turns progress the exact same way. Exactly. And so it's kind of like, what is the feel of a conflict? What are, how do you negotiate goals and consequences when you're dealing at those two different scales because it can be it can be a little tricky when you're doing an investigation plot an investigation conflict to decide what the goals are because the players don't know yet what the goal you know it can be trickier to suss out what that goal is or the consequence and so uh yes exploring that idea proposing some different scales medium scales um so in addition to like what about an investigation what about a what about a fight? But also, like, what about, like, a large-scale war, right? Like, what if you want to play something that is, like, truly zoomed out? Like, is mm-hmm. that possible? What does that look like? What does a turn look like? Um, so sort of sort of exploring those ideas and offering up some suggestions for, for folks to explore. Part of the thing they get used to there is the fact that, like, if a turn takes a day, that doesn't mean that everyone else is doing nothing during that day. Mm-hmm. It's just when it's a person's turn, it just means that they're in the focus of the game. Exactly. I think we talk in the base book about when it's not your turn, quote unquote, you you might be called on to kind of help spotlight the player whose turn it is. What does that mm-hmm. look like at that larger scale? So yeah, it's should be a fun piece. It's, it's hard to keep it short because there are a lot of different ways that you can, a lot of different scales and examples to run at. So it's a good piece. I, I think it's, it's hopefully going to be useful advice. Yeah. So on a more technical level, We've been working on a bug <laughs> that has been uh, sort of plaguing us for a handful of years on Exploit Zero Day, I think. Yeah, for, for a long, long time. So Exploit Zero Day is, is a web-based game. So, so all the, the systems you're hacking and the, and the puzzles you're solving and the people you're talking to, you're doing so on a, just a website. And that's actually, we've actually kind of got two account systems there. We've got the main Exploit Zero Day account system, and then the forums are integrated into it because they have things like avatars and, and uh, ways to communicate between players. And for a long time, we had an issue where because we were letting Discourse, our forum system, handle avatars, you would get a mismatch between your handle in EZD in the game itself and your username on Discourse. And so when the Exploit Zero Day webpage would put up an avatar, it would go, hey, Discourse, what's the avatar for this handle? And if those two things are mismatched, then that 
avatar wouldn't load, which is fine. Like, okay, there's a missing image. Like, that's not a big deal. But every time that happened, we would get a notification in our <laughs> error tracking system that's like, hey, a, a, an image failed to load that was loaded in asynchronously. And, and that's just been a thing that we've constantly been putting off like we can just ignore this but at some point it's like no if you're ignoring something every time you should just fix it so that it's not not distracting you any longer and so i added another little bit of integration where every time you change your handle on exploit zero day it will contact discourse and say hey update the discourse handle and so that's that should be out soon i need to do some cleanup on accounts that we know are mismatched and fix them and then we'll be ready to, to put that out. So to, to put this kind of in in perspective, like just thinking about like the life of a developer and just like how stuff goes. Every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., Greg and I get on a call. And the first thing we do is we look through our error logs, our error system. And we go through all of our sites, all of our games and say like what new stuff has come in in the last week. And do we like how can we research these and fix these? I think this error this issue has been in place since at least 2016, probably earlier, probably since we had a forum, right? Yeah. And every single Sunday morning, we have to look at that issue, see if anything weird has happened that like is outside of what we have been looking at for the last five years. And they go, nope, still the same. We'll get to it eventually every week. And so it's fine, right? Like it's not a breaking issue, but from like a process standpoint and just like, why do we keep looking at this when we can fix it? Yep. We actually save time. Yes, we save time. And so, you know, it was legitimately not a priority. And then we decided to just go ahead and fix it. So I'm glad it's going to get gone. We have another one uh, that we'll talk about next time, probably (laughs) that Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) it's been lingering for about as long that is going to get fixed. It's just these literally just these two issues every single week <laughs> yep. so that's cool so so that's a kind of a minor small little level of effort but turns out to be worth it but there sometimes there are upgrades that are uh you know, much bigger deals that have the chance of <laughs> of they take a lot of work and have the chance of breaking more things yeah we have you know exploit zero day is a web game as as greg said so it runs on web technology 100 percent and it runs on a framework called Django, <laughs> like Django Unchained, the movie, but not <laughs> at all like Django Unchained, the movie. It's so it's a web framework uh, for Python, and it has upgrades. It, it goes through versions, just like any piece of software. And we do our best to keep up with the smaller upgrades of that, because they don't mm-hmm. tend to be too risky. But when it gets to the bigger upgrades, then you're looking at like some serious hours. And it's easy for that to fall out of our sort of maintenance cycle. So every month we look at our apps and our our servers and stuff and we say, you know, what maintenance needs to be done, what little things need to be upgraded, security patches, stuff like this. And the bigger those upgrades get, the more they tend to be kind of separated off. We'll be like, well, this is going to take too much time, so we'll make a separate task for it. And then we'll come back to it uh, when we have time and want to allocate to it. So this is a tough one. This is one that has sat for a little while. And so we finally, finally, I said, well, let's, let's at least do it for exploit zero day. Like, I feel like if you have a game about hacking, you can only (laughs) let it get so far behind, just like philosophically, as well as uh, for everyone's safety. So this is an upgrade from Django 1.10. 
10 or 11, whatever the latest version of Django 1 is, to Django 3, uh, which is pretty big. I'm having to work through a fair amount of code, fair amount of database changes, etc. And it's one of those things where like we have we have a lot of code tests. We have a lot of automated tests that I can run to say, does this basic system work? And that is a lifesaver. Like that has made the whole thing possible. If it if we didn't have those and we were doing this major upgrade, it would easily double the amount of time because I wouldn't know if stuff worked at all and then would have to manually test over and over and over again. And so I think this is an interesting contrast on when we opened up Majesty of Colors, which is in Unity, mm-hmm. and we were like, we're going to do some new features to it. Do we upgrade from the 2018 Unity to whatever numbering system they're on right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the answer is no. The answer is absolutely not. There's no way, <laughs> unless something is fundamentally broken, that can only be fixed by upgrading. And you must have it. No way. You yeah, because we, we don't have real good automated <laughs> testing capabilities in Unity just because of how it's a real-time simulation. Um, mm-hmm. Unity itself is kind of notorious for being unreliable when it upgrades. Sometimes upgrades just break stuff for a while. Right. And yeah, just not 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 worth it like it is in, in Django. Yeah, so I have, a, I have a colleague at my day job who is a game developer who was like, you know, I did an upgrade from 2018 to probably one of the 2019 versions and like all my UI stuff broke. All the like text, like the UI layer stuff, that whole system changed or he was he was maybe using some third party plugin and all of its stuff changed. Like something fundamental it was one of those things. It's like is the horror story, the horror story that everyone tells about upgrading from version X to version Y. And so, you know, everything has that, right? And so you do have to like do your own research and determine if you would actually be impacted by it. Uh, but it is definitely a strategic decision. And it's very tempting to assume you should upgrade mm-hmm. because that's kind of, I mean, it's not the wrong thing to do in, in the sense of like, there are probably security enhancements. It probably gets you like we, we definitely would have had a better time doing iOS development if we mm-hmm. had upgraded. There are specific flags I was going in and manually changing because we were on an older version of Unity. But how much time was that worth? Yeah. So it's definitely a strategic thing. And uh, I have no easy answers, but I do think it makes for uh, an interesting an interesting point to raise on how web development, at least for me, feels a little easier in that regard. Because I have a better sense of the, the scale of problems we might run into. Yeah. So you can look forward to seeing uh, some of those changes uh going out soon within the next couple few weeks yeah and you can find all the stuff that we're doing at futureproofgames.com if you want to follow us on twitter you can do so at play futureproof on youtube we are futureproof games um and we we just put out a one of our newsletters for, for the company um if you want info in newsletter form or just pictures of melissa's cats uh, you can join <laughs> that at futureproofgames.com slash newsletter and if you were a member of our Exploit Zero Day newsletter, we didn't automatically transfer folks over. So if you want news updates on EZD or any of our other stuff, you're going to have to sign up again. Uh, and then you can always hit us up uh, with questions or comments on our blog or on social media. Our theme music is Juparo by Broke for Free, which is used with permission.